Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. The movie industry, like any multi-billion dollar enterprise, likes to keep things predictable. Business as usual is a good thing as far as the studios are concerned, and one thing they don't want too much of is surprise. Hence their touching faith in the franchise system. If something works, do it again. Keep doing it even if you can barely remember why the original thing worked in the first place. You're late. When you're ready. Salute. I met your new double O. She's a disarming young woman. The new, improved 2021 James Bond, for instance, bears very little resemblance to Ian Fleming's callous thug or even the smirking womaniser he became in the movies. The last film, No Time to Die, broke all the rules by being both respectful for women and also appearing to bring the series to a conclusion. But then these are unpredictable times. Oh, greatest of kings, let one of your knights... Try to land a blow against me. Indulge me in this game. I will be deep. I've never seen so many oddball experiments, possibly reflecting the fact that in an extraordinary year, all bets are off. The Green Knight was an academic feature pretending to be a King Arthur action-adventure. Last week's Titan was the opposite, a crazy Twilight Zone shocker purporting to be an art film about gender and prejudice. Even the old superhero movies have taken off in all sorts of directions, particularly the mighty Marvel Comics brand. This year alone we've seen them take off on riffs inspired by Chinese kung fu movies, Greek gods and legends, a Cold War spy film and a TV series that each week impersonated a different antique sitcom. Wanda and Vision, aren't we a five pair? This is our home now. I want us to fit in. Oh, this is going to be a gas. Where did you two move from? How long have you been married and why don't you have children yet? I know we asked for something a bit less formulaic from the Hollywood of a couple of years ago, but... Well, be careful what you wish for, I suppose. And this week offers some typical examples of movie-going in 2021. What did you see? There's a crusade coming. Do you often dream things that happen just as you dream them? Yes. There's a sci-fi epic based on a series of books that have proved too hard for Hollywood more than once. Frank Herbert's Dune novels. Can Denis Villeneuve succeed where David Lynch and Alejandro Jodorowsky failed? The test is simple. Remove your hand from the box and you die. What's in the box? 
pain. Meanwhile, on the eve of Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, the Disney studios have tapped into a perceived enthusiasm for musicals and things Latin. You want magic? This film is even called Encanto. Even in our darkest moments, there's light where you least expect it. And finally, nobody's idea of a cast-iron hit formula, the tale of an almost forgotten painter who specialised in multicoloured cats. The electrical world of Louis Wayne is already downright peculiar. What's going on in that funny little head of yours? Electricity. Okay, Louis, I'm worried about you. I feel... Most peculiar is who star and producer Benedict Cumberbatch has managed to attract to the project, from Olivia Colman to Taika Waititi. But first, an even more star-studded film, Dune. My planet Arrakis is so beautiful when the sun is low. Rolling over the sands, you can see spice in the air. There are two warning captions at the start of Denis Villeneuve's gigantic epic Dune. The first reads, Dreams are messages from the deep. This is clearly no frivolous space opera from a galaxy far, far away. The other reads, Part One. Speaking as someone who owned, if not read, at least five doorstep-sized Dune novels, this is bad news if you're hoping for a conclusion to this film. Outsiders ravage our lands in front of our eyes. Dune is the start of an ambitious saga, of course. Future episodes depend entirely on how successful the first one is. But it certainly feels confident enough, bristling with cinematic fireworks and star power, led by Timothy Chalamet as our hero, Paul Atreides. My father rules an entire planet. He's losing it. He's getting a richer one. He'll lose that one too. The noble Atreides family has been selected by the Emperor to take over the planet of Arrakis from their hated rivals, the Harkonnens. Arrakis is the most valuable planet in the galaxy because it's the only source of spice, the substance that fuels intergalactic space travel. Duke Leto Atreides, Oscar Isaac, welcomes the new responsibility. We are House Atreides. There is no call we do not answer. There is no faith that we betray. Smile, Gurney. I am smiling. The Emperor asks us to bring peace to Arrakis. House Atreides accepts! Leto's son Paul is beset by dreams of Arrakis, particularly dreams of a blue-eyed woman played by Disney star Zendaya. Zendaya is all over the trailers, incidentally, handing out exposition like it's going out of fashion. Their cruelty to my people is all I've known. What's to become of our world? To Zendaya fans, Dune is a bit of a swindle since she barely shows up in the actual movie. She's clearly being saved for part two. 
other trailers, there have been a lot of trailers for Dune, it has to be said, feature a star of an earlier vintage, Charlotte Rampling. She plays a sinister, witchy character, dishing out even more exposition to Paul, and by extension, us, of course. You inherit too much power. You have proven you can rule yourself. Now you must learn to rule others. Something none of your ancestors learned. And that's always the problem with episode one of a would-be epic franchise. There's a lot of world-building and scene-setting to be done, which depends on some attractive characters selling it. A boy! <laughs> Duncan, can I trust you with something? Yes, always, you know that. I've been having dreams about a girl on Arrakis. Still, as always, director Denis Villeneuve has a sure hand when it comes to casting. Playing Paul's best friend and bodyguard, Duncan Idaho, is everyone's favourite larger-than-life warrior, Jason Momoa. I don't know what it means. Dreams make good stories. But everything important happens when we're awake. Hey, you. Put on some muscle? I do? No. If Duncan is Dune's Balu the bear, then Bagheera the panther's equivalent as the wise, if short-tempered, gurney played by Josh Brolin. Come with me. You need to be ready. You've never met Harkness before. They're not human, they're brutal. Paul is clearly being groomed for bigger and better things by his father, the Duke, and also his mother, Jessica, who comes from witchy folk on her mother's side. Jessica's played by Rebecca Ferguson, who seems to be in everything at the moment. If anything happens, will you protect Paul with my life? And meanwhile, lurking in the background, though not for long, is the villainous Harkonnen family, led by Stellan Skarsgård. They've been making a fortune from spice for years and bitterly resent the Atreides moving onto their patch. The Duke's son sees too much. This is I do. Kill them all. God in heaven. There's more, obviously a lot more to Dune than this. I haven't even touched on how dry the planet of Rakus is. Why do you think the film's called Dune? And what lives under the surface of all that sand? I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say, here be dragons, or as they're called here, sandworms. Go, go, go! With his track record of the recent Blade Runner sequel and the equally assured Arrival, Denis Villeneuve is clearly the favoured director of big, intelligent sci-fi, even if Dune suffers from the problems spelled out in the opening caption. It's only the first half of the first book, so there's a certain amount of frustration built into this film. Get everything with guns off the ground! Go! This is an extermination... Ironically, the story rests on Paul Atreides' ability to see into the future. And once three or four more dunes have been made, future audiences will have the ability to binge-watch the whole thing. Until then, we're left hanging with a a two-and-a-half-hour opening chapter. Thanks a lot. It's time.
The Disney animated feature Encanto comes with certain expectations. It's written and directed by the team who created the hugely successful Zootopia and Moana, and it features songs by Flavor of the Decade Broadway composer Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's set in a fairy tale version of Old Columbia. I found myself being reminded of the terrific Pixar Mexican-based film Coco, which also played with Latin American magic realism. And thrown into the mix, too, was Miranda's recent live-action musical In the Heights, which was similarly enthusiastic about family and community. Encanto is set in a magical village where the Madrigal family have lived for many years. The family has been blessed with certain magical gifts. Let Abuela, the grandmother, explain what happened. Many years ago, this candle blessed our family with a miracle. Our house, our casita, came to life with magic. Hola, casita. On the run from their last village, young Abuela was given a magical candle that magically gave her whole family a house or casita that magically came to life. After that, all the members of the magical family would receive certain magical gifts or powers. Did someone say flowers? Our angel, our angel. Please don't laugh. Thank you. Oh, it's nothing. Now, I'm only ten minutes into Encanto and already I'm getting a little sick of the words magical and family, but let's persevere. Each member has cute superpowers. Luisa is strong. Isabella can do wonders with flowers. Even baby Antonio can talk to animals and birds. In time, every member of our family... Cecilia, up top! ...was given their own magical gifts. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I understand you. But one person has no gift at all. Mirabelle is famous for it. On the day she was meant to receive it from the magical candle through the magical door. Sorry, I'll stop saying magical for a while. Anyway, nothing, nada, no gift for Mirabelle. I'm not super strong like Luisa. The donkey's got out again. On it! Uh, or effortlessly perfect like Senorita Perfecta Isabella. But Mama, why am I the only one that didn't get a gift? Which is a pity, because Mirabelle, as voiced by Stephanie Beatriz, is far and away the most appealing character in Encanto. Disney animators have had years perfecting the art of creating plucky, spunky teenage girls, and they deliver again without breaking a sweat. You're just as special as anyone else in this family. You just healed my hand with an arepa con queso. But the rest of the movie is rather less sure-footed. Aside from Mirabelle, it's easy to get the colourful characters mixed up. Which cousin is that one? Why is it so important she get married? Who's dishing out these miraculous gifts anyway? And why is no one allowed to mention Uncle Bruno? What are your powers? Just tell us what everyone can do! And that's why coffee's for grown-ups. My like BFF on her mood affects the weather. When she's unhappy, well, the temperature gets weird. My like Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno.
Many of these things do eventually get explained, but not soon enough. Much of the delay is caused by, frankly, an unnecessary amount of musical numbers. Does everyone have to have their own three-minute song? Wouldn't it be better to use that time to sharpen up the storyline? Casita? What's going on? The magic is in danger. We gotta get out of here! We must protect our home. We must protect our family. Most of the songs in early Disney classics were barely a minute long. They made their point and then moved on. The songs in Encanto are interminable and get in the way of the undernourished plot, which seems to be something's gone wrong with the magic here. If you think that's a little vague, well, I'm not going to argue with you. This is my chance. I will save the magic. Wait, how do I save the magic? In fact, nothing kills the magic of a movie like Encanto so much as constant repetition of the word magic. It's like being hit endlessly over the head with Christmas decorations. A firmer hand at the tiller might have dropped two or three songs in favour of a clearer destination for the likeable Mirabelle. Colombia. A lot of stairs. But at least I'll have a friend. Nope, you flew away immediately. Quitter! Hmm. The electrical world of Louis Wayne snuck in under the radar for me this weekend. It's tucked away on Amazon Prime, produced by its star Benedict Cumberbatch and directed by British TV's new big thing, Will Sharp. Are you an illustrator? Um, Yes. You're very muddy. I was attacked by a a one-and-a-half-ton bull. Oh! Japanese-English actor, writer and now director Sharp came to fame in cult series Girl Haji and Flowers, for which he was nominated for several BAFTAs. He's been lavished with praise by everyone he worked with, many of whom appear in the electrical world of Louis Wayne. I am prepared to offer you a staff position. You capture something of a cat, perhaps because you yourself are an outcast. I do it to provide for the five hungry and precocious sisters that I live at home with. Louis Wayne was a real-life late Victorian eccentric whose many gifts, drawing, science, boxing and composition, didn't include making a living. This was a problem since he was meant to be the breadwinner for his mother and several sisters. An additional cost is the girl's governess, Emily Richardson. Go away. Go away. Yes. What? Why? What, what do you mean, why? I don't... Yes, of course. Yes, sorry. What are you doing, Mr Wayne? What do you want me to... I don't understand. Oh, yes, sorry. Right, yes, of course, sorry. I apologise. The story of Louis Wayne seemed almost tailored to its stars. Benedict Cumberbatch is always better suited, in my mind, to unworldly Englishmen than Montana cowpokes. And when he and the wonderful Claire Foy of the Crown fame first clap eyes on each other, their world lights up like electricity. Miss Richardson has had an incredibly positive effect on this family. Were you painting something? Is something funny, Miss Wayne? Not at all. Which is partly what this story is about. Louis and Emily marry, then run up the sort of debts that happen when you're underpaid for everything you do. And then one day, Louis and Emily adopt a stray cat called Peter 
and their fortunes change. I think you're the first person to see the cats are ridiculous, <laughs> frightened and brave, like us. Louis obsessively starts drawing and painting cats of all shapes, sizes and activities, and the pictures take off beyond anyone's expectations. In the late 19th century, it seems, cats as pets were a minority taste. But the love that Louis and Emily had for cats became nationwide and then worldwide. Mr Wayne, we have been showing your cat pictures to our staff. They've been laughing, they've been <laughs> smiling. Tell them, Alicia, tell them I'm not lying. One of our typists, she took some of your pictures home to her kids and she said that they were running about on their hands and knees pretending to be cats. <laughs> but Louis's life was not made easier by sudden success. He was repeatedly cheated by unscrupulous operators, but far worse was when his beloved Emily became seriously ill. And yet his paintings seem to become more appealing despite his declining mental health. Mr Wayne, I have been called here because your sister was concerned for your health. You have squandered it on wretched cats and on a willful, doomed, tainted romance. The electrical world of Louis Wayne is an odd-shaped story. It's certainly not a hero's journey or even a rags-to-riches tale. And Wayne's strangely psychedelic cats existed in a world that's long vanished. How you've managed to conjure images of such delight at such a dark time, I don't know. But there's a charm to the film that can't be denied. The cast is as quirky as the subject, from narrator Olivia Colman to guest appearances by Richard Ayoade, Taika Waititi, and as Wayne fan H.G. Wells, Australian singer Nick Cave. Your cat man. Cat man. A whole cat world. They will turn blue and communicate with us in our own language. Did you say that they would turn blue? Yes, of course. Wow. It's a folly of a story that works because everyone involved seems to have decided to share the love that star Cumberbatch and director Sharp have for Louis Wayne. At key moments, the scene suddenly turns into a vivid watercolour, the sort of painting you'd expect to see in the drawing room of the Wayne family. Just remember, however hard things get, however much you feel like you're struggling... The world is full of beauty, and it's up to you to capture it, Louis, and to share it with as many people as you can. The electrical world of Louis Wayne is long-ago England, I suppose, the England of Alice in Wonderland, Wind in the Willows and Goodbye Mr Chips. It's playful and unpredictable, brave and endearing, like a cat, in other words. And on that praise for the out of the ordinary, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me for the final At The Movies of the Year, same time next week. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. 
So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.